ladies and gentlemen, welcome to uh, a delayed teacher podcast. Uh, we haven't talked on this podcast since what January? Something like that. Something like that. Uh, on the program today, we have Miss Tiffany Campbell. That's me. Who is a uh, student teacher, soon to be graduated, and uh, someone who didn't make it last time because she doesn't like us anymore. Wait, uh, what? Miss Ferradino. Oh has come to grace us with her presence. I also have a first name as Angelina. <laughs> also, I do hate Aaron and Tiffany. Ouch. <laughs> All that and more coming Just up next. Uh, coming up next on the Delayed Teacher Podcast. Oh, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Buckle up, buttercups. Here we go. Ah! The following podcast is not endorsed by, supported by, or produced in cooperation with any education entity, such as a school, school district, school staff, administrators, or students. The opinions, ideas, and thoughts expressed within are solely those of the podcast host and or guests of the program. Thank you. Let's set the stage. How, Miss Campbell, how mm-hmm. many days are left until graduation right now? Six days. Six mm-hmm. days. Six. Except we should really say five because today's almost over. It is. Yeah, so, so we have, I have a counter. Give me a second. Okay. Me too. We have, oh, I can't, there's too many, there's too much glue on my fingers. I can't unlock my phone the normal way. <laughs> For those who are listening at home and playing the home, the home game along with us, uh, today we decorated our graduation caps um, and there were several mishaps with, uh, some uh glue was it permanent what the glue what's the glue it was super glue glue. and uh hot glue um (laughs) it was a recipe for disaster we're not like craft teachers we're language arts teachers we're not art people listen i take my crafting very seriously (laughs) sometimes sometimes the mess needs to be made to get things done we put more effort into decorating our caps than we did into getting our degrees yeah um based off of my countdown timer we have five Five minutes. Sound the alarm! Battle stations, everybody! We gotta get in the car! We gotta go! What? What's happening right now? We are not gonna get parking in five minutes. We are not gonna make it. Deep breaths. We have five days. Thirteen hours, nine minutes, nine minutes, nineteen. I'm a mess. Five days, thirteen hours, nineteen minutes, and nineteen seconds. Oh my goodness! Oh my gosh! So let's. Let's let's look back. Let's mm-hmm. let's look back to January, where we all were. When we talked last in January on this podcast, except we were, for Angelina, except for Angelina, because <laughs> she hates us. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Angelina loves us, and we love Angelina. <laughs> Thank you. She she is welcome in this home. Good. She's our grandma. We kind of yeah, need her. Miss mm-hmm. Ferdino is our is our community grandmother. Mm-hmm. We were all ready. We were just we were just getting started into student teaching. We were just about to begin. And what like think back to that what that was like, what you were feeling, your fears and all those, and reflect on that in your head for just a second. And those of you who are listening on this podcast, whatever, wherever you are, think about if you have been a student teacher, think about what it was like at the beginning, what you're feeling, and then think about the end. What was your, what was like your big revelation or big revelations about the whole experience? What did you, you stepped out of the classroom and you're like, it's over. What were those revelations for you guys? 
I'm very, very tired. Oh my god. It's like it How started, and I was so energized, yeah. and then I hit like I got over like the bump, and I felt comfortable where I was, yeah. and then I just like crashed and was just so tired all the time. Mm-hmm. When when did that crash approximately happen? Like what? Like just after spring break. After like spring I felt break. like spring yeah. break re-energized me. I thought it had until yeah. the day after spring break, and that evening I was like, mm, no, I'm just more tired than I've ever been before. That first night. Um, before our first day, I probably slept like maybe two hours. Yes. Tops. Because I was so nervous. And I was most nervous about like introducing myself to the class and getting started. Yeah. Because I'm just so awkward and I don't know how to like jump into things. Once I get going, it's fine. But like getting started is always really nerve wracking. And so I was so freaked out. I didn't sleep at all. And then the next day, I was just, like, running off of adrenaline and coffee, and I crashed so hard that night. I think I went to bed at, like, 7, and I just don't think I've ever recovered. I like, drink... I've been that tired every day yep. since. I drink my coffee really strong in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's become a running joke in my classroom, because if you walk into my classroom in the morning, all you smell is coffee, because mm-hmm. it's so strong, it just permeated the air. But in the afternoon, you can smell my lotion, which is eucalyptus. So my classroom smells like coffee in the morning and eucalyptus in the afternoon. Those are not bad smells. No. No, it could I... be worse. Yeah. <laughs> you Now, for those, again, for those of you who are playing along at the home game, Tiffany was working in a middle school classroom, so yes. there are a lot worse It could have been odors. a yes. thousand times worse. Yes. Right. You could have walked into a classroom with axe like just permeating the atmosphere or the opposite and just very strong bo yeah we've talked about this i think that their worlds are so small Mm -hmm. it's so like there's there's and there's so much going on in that small little world um (laughs) that it's just like you have to you almost have to just kind of laugh at it because it's like it's not your fault kid this is just part of being a middle school boy or girl because Mm -hmm. you just uh, life's a hot mess yeah okay it is. So, and everything, I don't know why I'm so yawny. Sorry. Because you're tired. Because you're tired. <laughs> you just finished like four months of student teaching, dialing. You, yeah. you, it's, it's been a long one. It's been a long four months. But really short at the same time. Yes. Mm-hmm. So let's like let's take a look. Let's take a step back and then let's take a look at your student teacher experiences. From mm-hmm. We'll start with whoever wants to start. What was your greatest takeaway takeaways? From your student teaching experience, what informed you on as a te- as for as a teacher? What informed you as a future teacher? What are you going to use in your classroom? What was like something that just changed your life? Kind of just a big overview of what. Why does student teaching matter? Why do we need to do this thing? That of course it makes us tired and it's exhausting and it's stressful and it's smelly and it's all the things that you know you just don't want to do. But why is it so important for us to do student teaching? And what did it do for you? Okay, so I think one of my biggest takeaways from this, um, actually there's two, and I'll start with the one on a more um, professional level, Mm. which is student teaching was able to get me, um, it helped me familiarize myself with kind of the politics surrounding Mm -hmm. education, Mm -hmm. um, especially with the protests that have been going on and the whole Red for Ed movement right now in Colorado. Um, So... There's those larger issues, but then there's also the smaller school issues and just being part of all of these various teams and pockets of communities within the broader school community and being able to navigate each of those small communities and the larger school community all at the same time, because you kind of have to have a different approach in each of those communities. You have to have a different demeanor, a different way of speaking. Um, you're, it's kind of like you're code switching right. from community to community. Um, 
so that was the biggest thing I think professionally. Mm-hmm. But um, a large part of student teaching, I think, is emotional too. Mm-hmm. And it, sometimes you just get those moments, and teachers talk about them all the time, that reminds you why you do this mm-hmm. because it is incredibly hard. And you'll hear people say that all the time, that teaching is one of the hardest jobs you can have. And I didn't realize how true that was until student teaching, where I was there 8 to 12 hours a day, sometimes 13 hours on a really long day, five days a week. Um, It's exhausting. But you get these moments that remind you why you're doing it. And I had quite a few of these, but there's one that stands out in mind in particular, where one of my students who really suffers with anxiety Mm -hmm. and has a lot of past family things that happened, a lot of trauma. And um, she was doing our PBL presentations and she came up to me beforehand and she was like, miss, I can't do it. I'm just going to have to take a zero. I can't. And I told her, you know what, go in, try it, see how everyone else is doing theirs. And if it's the time before your presentation, you decide you don't want to anymore. I won't make you. And then a couple of presentations go by. It's her turn to be practicing right before her presentation. And she comes up to me and she says, Miss, I'm going to try it, which was really exciting for me. And she went up, did her presentation, did awesome. But the second time we had to do presentations for a different project, we switched units. um, And instead of doing our PBL, we were doing language presentations where they were presenting a poem or a story. And she decided she was going to present a song. And she got up and sang in front of the entire class. And when she walked off, she was shaking. And I walked up to her and I gave her some feedback, complimented her, made sure she knew that it wasn't an easy thing to do, but I was so proud of her for trying. And she just broke down in tears. And she said, Miss, I know when people say things like this, they tell you that you don't know how much that means to them, but I don't think you know just how much that comment meant to me. People have been telling me my whole life my voice isn't strong enough to sing and that I should just quit now and that I can't do it anymore. And um, to hear you say that really means a lot. And then she just gave me a hug and like cried. And it was the sweetest thing. And kind of, I started crying with her. It kind of broke my heart a little bit, but it's moments like that that remind you why, despite the BO and the right. <laughs> exhaustion, you right. continue to Politics do it. And the, repeat, and the repeating, yeah. repeating the instructions 16 different yeah. times, and then you're like, okay, has everyone got it? And you get like a couple steps down, and you're like, oh, wait, what was we supposed to do? And you're just like, I've said it 17 times. Why must I say it an 18th? I just stopped and I made their partner tell them the instructions mm-hmm. instead. Ooh, now that's... Uh, now you don't those, repeat yourself. Students repeat for, themselves. For those playing at the, on the home game, you are going to want to star and highlight that one. Circle that. Uh, Miss, Miss Campbell, could you repeat that? Just, just for those in the back who might not be listening. Yeah, so if you feel like you keep repeating your instructions, stop repeating them for the students who are asking and have the students ask another student. That way you can tell if your instructions were unclear or if it's just that one student getting it because if another student can explain to them what they're supposed to be doing, it's not yours, it's the student that wasn't Mm -hmm. paying attention. Sometimes when I'm giving instruction, if I can hear them talking, I just stop and I say, if you're talking right now and you don't know what we're doing in five minutes, you are not allowed to ask me. (laughs) And then I just end it there. There you go. Well, because Angelina, you deal with high schoolers, so that's a whole yeah. different ballgame. Talk to us about what you what you learned, and kind of what what were your revelations or revolution revol, revolutionary and revolutionary moments in your <clears throat> so. I think, um, like my biggest revelation was that I actually can do this, which obviously you guys know that I went into student teaching 
pretty much dead set against teaching. I was just finishing out my degree. I figured like I made it this far, I might as well just student teach, get my licensure, and then I was gonna get a job in a different field. Um, I pretty much was under that impression until about the end of February. And I just had a couple of weeks that were just not good. Like had a complete meltdown to my cooperating teacher um, and told her like, I'm not gonna teach. I'm not even gonna get a job in teaching. I was like, it's okay that I'm doing really bad because I'm not gonna do this anyway. And she sat me down and we kind of talked through like all of the things that led up to me feeling that way, um, which was good. But then she said, stop saying that. She's like, yeah. just don't say that anymore. She's like, if you keep saying that, then you're just gonna keep doing bad. She's like, and if you just like keep telling yourself that you're gonna do bad, then like nothing, is ever going to happen like nothing's ever going to change and then she told me like any other job is going to be hard as well but none of them are going to be as rewarding as this one um and I think that really helped me and that was one of my biggest revelations is that like I just stopped telling myself like that just because this was hard and because I wasn't perfect at it right off the bat yeah which you know when you go through school yes. as a GT student which I was and you get told all the time that you're perfect yeah and you have no room for growth. Right. It's really hard to get into a field where there is a lot of room for growth. Yeah. And you have to realize, like, it's okay to not be perfect the first time or even the 17th time. Um, but you just have to keep growing. But that was my biggest revelation is just telling myself, like, no. Like, obviously, there's some reason that I haven't dropped out of the teacher ed program right. up till this point. So I need to just stick with it. And then I got a job, like, two weeks after that. It was, yeah. like... You know, the heavens opened up and it was like, you made a good decision and here's a job. Can we talk about that GT thing for a second? Yes. Because I had the same mm -hmm. experience because I'm also a GT student mm -hmm. and I was on the AP track. Mm -hmm. So I went through all of these experiences where I was top of the class and I was one of the top 10 seniors in our school yearbook. And I received all of these awards and acclamations at the end of high school. So, and even through college too, college felt easy most of the time. So going into student teaching where it's, it requires a whole skill set that is purely based off of expertise. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have experience, you're not going to be perfect mm -hmm. right off the bat. And, um, it took a whole mind shift to remind myself that it's okay to not already be advanced in this particular area and to be at the expected level for a student teacher for for a first-year teacher, is okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be at that point. Yeah. And that having room for growth is a great thing, especially in education. Yeah. You never stop growing and never stop learning and never stop changing as a teacher. Well, and I think that is a really important thing for us to learn as teachers because then we can make sure that we don't do that to our students. Yes. And I think that's something that's really unique to like our generation is having that mindset because of like the... GT programs in our generation and like the AP track and IB and just because we had that pathway opened to us and because it was like pretty well funded and like well organized mm -hmm. um and it's the same for our kids right now but I think that the people teaching us didn't realize that they were actually doing us a disservice by handing us back essays and saying this is perfect yeah and I mean even throughout college it was the same thing for me I mean I'm graduating next week with a 4.0 and to be entirely honest, I didn't work very hard for that. Like 
I did just what I, I like I'm good at school and mm-hmm. I've never had to put a lot of work into it and yeah. student teaching I think is the first thing that I've had to put this much work into and that was a huge learning curve for me mm-hmm. but I'm hoping that when I have my own classroom um, and especially being at a charter school where most of the kids are advanced students um, that I don't do that to them that I always show them that it's okay to have room for growth and that you need to not like meltdown because you're not perfect. Like it's okay. It's okay to not be perfect. Well, in our teacher ed program, that's what we talk about. We talk about growth mindset. Yeah. And it's like that applies not just to your students, but that applies to you as a teacher. And I didn't realize that I didn't have a growth mindset. Yeah. I wrote all these papers about growth mindset, yeah. read all this stuff. Right. You can recite the facts. You yeah. can tell me the answer. Yeah. I talked about like, you know, having a growth mindset in terms of student success. Yeah. Yes. Never realized that I didn't have one in terms of my own success until mm-hmm. student teaching. And yeah. that was hard to like shift my mindset. Um, and I'm still struggling with that, but well, um, I mean, cause again, shifting your mindset requires that you, again, we, we talk about nature versus nurture and everything mm-hmm. like that. You think about the last, cause how, <laughs> I forget how old you are, Angelina. 21. We're oh, no. both 21. 21. <laughs> I'm old. I'm 36. So we talk about like 21 years of being told you're the mm-hmm. best. You're the mate. Mm-hmm. You're like mm-hmm. all like you just, you were just talking about like you were told that you had not done nothing. You would, everything was perfect. You were yeah. fine. Mm-hmm. And then to have to confront that in a matter of four months, like that's, that's stuff that you have to unlearn. You got to repackage it. You got to, re- you got to reconcile a lot in a very short amount of time. And that for you is like you said, is your benefit. Cause you're going to walk into this classroom and you're going to go, I was you mm-hmm. less than like six years ago. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way to deal with this. And I think we talked about this in one of our English classes. Is even with the GT programs now, they don't know what to do with the kids. No, yes. they don't. They just give them extra work, and right. that's not or what they need. Harder work, yeah. but it's not really harder work because mm-hmm. it's just extra work that you're just like, okay, we gotta fill the time, get yeah. it done. It's like, but you're not challenging. And we them. have to pretend like we're holding you to these right. rigorous standards, but right. we don't really don't know what the hell that means. Right. This well, is yeah. what I did my capstone research on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was what we do to. Uh, extend the understanding of honors students mm-hmm. and yeah. GT students because we have all of these opportunities for growth and reteaching yeah. with our low performers, which is fine because yeah. they need that. Right. But with our honors students, instead of giving them deeper work, we're giving them more work, which mm-hmm. isn't fair to them or to no. us. No. No one wants to grade all of that extra work for right. one class anyway. Well, and they figure most, I think a lot of those students figure it out pretty quickly that what they're getting hit with is busy work. And so then they decide around, and I remember, um, getting into high school and suddenly all of the kids that had been in like that GT program with me, like they were pretending like they weren't as smart as they were so that they wouldn't have to get hit with that harder work. And I just, I think in so many ways we do such a disservice to our kids who are excelling. Um, because we give them more work and sometimes we just don't know what the hell to do with them. And then I think we're not setting them up well for life because, and I'm a prime example, like you graduate high school, you've been perfect all throughout your secondary education. And quite often they get to college and they're not the smartest kid in the room anymore. And then they have to reconcile with that or they go through college with the same experience and then they get into the real world and can't handle it because nobody ever prepared them for like criticism or to not be perfect. And it's for a lot of them, like for me, um, it's just something that you can't reconcile with. And I was able to like realize what the issue was 
and bounce back. Well, because you had a you had but, a strong community of a host teacher. You mm-hmm. had people around you who are like, hey, I mean, a good core of us continually talked you off the ledge. Yeah, you also but, <laughs> all the time, right? But it was you had to you had to understand it on a personal and like moment of like, oh my gosh, this is what's happening. This is what's led me down. Mm-hmm. This is what this is what's happened, and this is what I got to do to kind of reorient, re like mm-hmm. re uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, rephrase, reword, like reorient your brain. There basically. it is. That's you just, the word I was looking for. Yeah, and like Jess, um, one of my CTs, definitely is like a tough love person. But yeah. in that moment, I was so grateful for her. And at first, like when she said that, I was kind of mad. Right. When she was like, "Stop saying that." I mean, she said it pretty harshly too. She was like, "Stop saying that." Like, why do you keep saying that? Yeah. And at first, I was kind of mad, and then I started to think about it, and I was like, "Oh my god." I just realized what yeah. I've been doing to myself and like what the result or what the, like the steps that led up to this. Um, but then I think I came back a lot stronger after that moment. Yeah, um, absolutely. I agree. And that's, we've all, I think we've all had those moments in our student teaching. Like I had, I had that struggle for, cause I just, I felt like I wasn't doing well. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I wasn't connected with the kids. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, and it wasn't the kid's fault. It was just, I was not. I wasn't a very good teacher in those early, you know, days mm-hmm. or weeks of student teaching. And I just would walk in there going, I just, I don't know if this is what I'm going to be able to do. Like, I'm I'm a failure. I'm not, you know, because you are, and rightfully to- so, we're told that we're going to be amazing teachers. Like, that's, mm-hmm. but it's so, you have to, like, find a happy medium. Like, we're going to be great teachers, but we're pretty terrible teachers right now. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're all right, but... Good Lord, we have a long way to go. We and have being potential. O- right, yes. Being okay with not being the best, but being pretty all right. Well, and we should never feel like we're the best. Like, right. I think as teachers, you yeah. always have to have, right. like, somewhere that you're trying to be. Yeah. be you humble. always need to have a personal goal. Yeah. yeah. Room for growth. Then, then that's when you become a bad teacher, yeah. I mm-hmm. think, is when you are like, nope, I'm done. Yeah. I know everything. I'm perfect. Right. I don't yeah. need to grow anymore. Yeah. So I think there's that happy mm-hmm. medium between, like, thinking you're the worst to thinking you're the best, but also just like being realistic about the fact that you're going to have some bad weeks. Like there's going to be weeks where you, or days where you teach and you're just like, what happened? What were we doing? Mm-hmm. What was the point of that? And you're, and then you step back and you go, let me do a postmortem. Let me do an autopsy on that class. Yeah. And you go, well, here's where I went wrong. Here's where I was going. Right. And then because again, I'm not the best teacher. I'm still learning. I need to, make that different next time and like I need to move this arm down here and did it being willing and open to take that take yourself mm-hmm. apart and not beat yourself over it and feel like you're like guilting yourself into despondency that's the important part about student mm-hmm. teaching that a lot of us I think struggle with in the early days because that chat that we have, a, we have a group chat on Facebook that we we've kept each other kind of encouraged every day and there were days where everyone was like we're all going yeah. to quit. Where we were all like, well, this is it. Yeah, this, this is the day. This we're going to get through May and then we're just done. Yeah, <laughs> like we're all going to die after May 11th. <laughs> like, the, the light at the end of the tunnel has been turned off. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to slide on in to the darkness. And then we're all going to find jobs outside of teaching. Right. We're like, yeah. We just can't do this. We'll I'm just gonna, accept the void. I'm mm-hmm. just going to go get get a job outside of the school yeah. system. We're um, like, I don't know where, right. but I don't know what I'm doing. absolutely not going to be teaching. I have a BA in English and I have no idea what <laughs> yeah. I'm to do with it because teaching isn't an option i'm gonna go move into the forest in oregon and write my novel yeah on a typewriter <laughs> in a tree house we pull an emerson or something yeah <laughs> and you get arrested by the fbi they're like who is that strange person tree? i've had a bad couple of my 
not sleeping alone. Sir, that's not a valid excuse. <laughs> I'm not leaving. <laughs> I can see that on like the, like NBC News. Tonight yeah. on NBC News. <laughs> Man has a tough time <laughs> and moves into a tree. <laughs> They start delving into it, and they're like, are we paying teachers no, too much? Right. <laughs> the pendulum has swung. That's where the legislation comes in. Like, <laughs> protests and rallies, they do nothing, but the man who moves into the tree, he that is the catalyst for change. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm laughing so hard that I'm crying. Uh, you know, if... If it wouldn't put my entire future in, in peril, I would pursue that. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to be that. Because then, because what will happen is there'll be like a Pulitzer warning, Pulitzer warning, Pulitzer award winning, like shot of me, like in the tree with like a stick shaking it, like juxtaposed against the moon. And people be like, that poor teacher, man, we need to, we need to help these people out. Aaron, take one for the team. Uh, yes. Aaron's good. wife doesn't look like she's on board with this. <laughs> it's okay, Vicky. You can move in with him. <laughs> I think she vehemently disagrees with this pursuit. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tarzan or something. <laughs> we'll take Vicky more, in, and more like George of the Jungle. Let's be very honest. Let's <laughs> not let's not elevate me above where we need to be. Let's growth mindset, people. Growth mindset. Okay. <laughs> where do we go from here? <laughs> Where do we ever go from yeah. Brendan Fraser? I mean, I mean, how did we get here? That's <laughs> the question. I ask myself that well, all the time. You, you drove in your vehicles. You pulled up yeah. to the condo and you said, hi. I said, hello. And we decorated our caps. And, mm-hmm. and I guess that's what I want to throw at you guys. What, do you, what has been the benefit of having... Because, again, when we started out in January, we had known each other for like two or three years already. Mm-hmm. Some of us longer. We already had a really solid friendship. Yes. Yeah. How did that friendship help you get through student teaching through all the madness through all the things like what what is the value of having that community that's you know that's five or six people that is there for you what was that how did that help for you guys well like we mentioned earlier there were some days where one of us would just come into the chat and explain that we were standing on the ledge uh literally or metaphorically (laughs) and um sometimes we just needed each other to help talk each other down yeah and some days it was because we were crying to our CTs or to our significant others or to ourselves or the dog. Um, And some days you just need to know that you can fall back on those people. And it's not just having a support system because we all have friends outside of Mm -hmm. this friend group as well. And we have family and whatnot, but sometimes you need to have someone who's going through a similar situation and Mm. similar experiences to be able to fall back on because Mm. there is no one else in my life aside from you guys who knows the student teaching experience at this exact point in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's different for our CTs to explain what their student teaching experience had been like. And because now they're looking at it in retrospect. Exactly. So to have completely different. And we're, we're in the middle of a room that's on fire and and there's an earthquake and there's a volcano that's creeping out of the floor and, and to have people that are going through that same experience Mm -hmm. and who are experiencing a lot of the same emotions that you are, who can still remind you that, it's okay to be feeling that way, but yeah. also that you're going to get over it and you're going to be okay in the end is important. Yeah. Well, I think that's the that's the thing is that you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like you will. This thousands of student teachers have gone through this before you, and it's hard to think about that when you're in middle when you're on that ledge. You're just like. It's impossible to think about. Yeah. And I was going to say the same thing as Tiffany said. Like nobody 
who isn't going through this understands. Yeah. Um, and you can talk to, you can try to talk to like your significant other, your mom, yeah. whoever, but they just don't understand it yeah. unless they've been through the same thing. Yeah. And then I think what's really special about our friend group is that there's five of us, but then within those five, we have like small little pairs. So, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what kind of like specific crisis you are having, <laughs> you could go to each individual person. <laughs> um, like I know if, if somebody needed someone to like be mean to them and tell them, you know, how it was, um, they would come to me and I would say like, listen, you're being dumb and you need to do this. If you need aggressive reassurance, it's yeah. Angelina. Or if you need someone to tell it like to be very uplifting and to right. tell you like that you're a good person and that you will make it, then you would go to like Tiffany or Hope and Aaron is there to like bring some humor into the situation. And if you need someone to just give it to you straight, it's, it's Tori. Tori. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she will unable un- unapologetically yeah say uh yeah yeah no filter i guess mine is more like i'm aggressive and that i'm going to make you go do the thing because you're i'm aggressively very gra- you're, worried you're an aggressive grandma yes you are so being able to be part of that community of drastically different individuals but with these mm-hmm. similar current experiences that we kind of just meld well together. We yeah. do. We balance each other's strengths and weaknesses, yeah. which I think works really well in our favor. It yeah. does. Because if we were all like the same people with the same backgrounds, I don't think it would work as well. Because no. we'd be like, hey, I don't like you anymore. Yeah, and sometimes you know we get into ba- d- debates. I don't think we've ever really right. fought. Aaron and I, last day of <laughs> class, last semester, at six o'clock in the freaking morning in West Classroom, had some sort of very heated, loud debate, and I don't even remember what it was about. I disagree that it was loud, but I'm <laughs> we also were, loud. We were so, well, I guess we're just naturally loud people, right. so it was probably loud to other people, but right. we were just talking in normal volumes, right. and I don't even remember, I, I don't remember at all what we were fighting about. it was about. political in nature or something. It was definitely political in nature, and like, we weren't being mean to each other, but we were definitely disagreeing, and yeah. we were getting very fired up, and yeah. then I think Tiffany... Or Tori was yeah. the next person who showed up, and she was like, "What is going on?" Like, first of all, why are you guys here so early? <laughs> That's just what we do. There's like no lights on, right? It's like a flickering one in the background. Yeah. Like, what? Is, who are I'm you like people? sitting there? I was in a rocking chair, and Being <laughs> yelling back up. and forth. I remember this now. Yeah. Okay, I was yeah. trying to place this, and I was imagining it in the area we'd usually meet up in the morning before no, it was 8 a.m. A but it was area. the area. Yeah. Yes, the lost yeah. and found area. And then I stared into the void at the lost and found site. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I'm trying so hard to think about what it was that we were in a debate about. It wasn't and I something have of consequence. No idea. But Clearly it's like it wasn't. we yeah. managed to get through it and Obviously. just have our disagreement. Because yeah. again, the different backgrounds of our friendship and the different experiences we've had. I think definitely made us better teachers because mm-hmm. we were able to be like, oh, hey, you've been through this, mm-hmm. you've experienced this, or hey, you've got this background, you have this part of the mm-hmm. identity or whatever. And that was a huge benefit, I think, for all of us to be like, okay, well, you bring this to the table that mm-hmm. I don't have any understanding or any real world experience, and your story, your experience helps inform me as a teacher because I'm gonna deal with, a, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna experience a student that may be, that may have your background, that may have your situation, now I know a better way to handle that because I've, I've, I've talked to you, I've engaged with you, and I've come to an understanding, a better understanding of that dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, as a teacher, like, you've got you to gotta get out there and know people of all kinds. Like, you, like, that's, if your friend group is just one homogenous group, no, you're done. Yeah.
I would also like to mention that before Aaron and I were really good friends, we did get into a fight in multicultural education in the book group. Do you remember that? What did we get in a fight about? It was about the Columbine uh, book and yeah. that other book that we were reading. Oh, yeah. And I also don't remember the exact details of the fight. I just know that we were like yelling at each other back and forth across the table so heatedly that Dr. Johnson had to come over and was like, what is happening over here right now? We're just having a We're, discussion. Yeah, just a mild disagreement. <laughs> See, now that you mentioned that, I think Aaron and I got into several debates in our philosophy of education yeah. class over articles that we took very different stances yeah. on. Which is fine. We're all still friends, and it's I like, good to... I like how the common thread is, me, you know, Aaron and I, we got into it, and I'm just like... People who listen to this, this pod be like, Aaron is just a fire starter, man. He just walks in with a baseball bat and says, all right, who's next? Who wants it? I'm going to have a very bad reputation on this podcast. He can only be friends with people after he gets into a heated argument right. across the table after with them. After we've traded rhetorical yeah. blows, like, we're And then fine. he's like, all right, you're cool. Yeah, you're cool. You we're can, fine. We, we can talk. We can do this. Aaron has a trial before you can become his friend, and that's it. You have to make it through his verbal fire yes. to be allowed to I have a checklist. I have articles. I throw at people. You know, it's it's... It's a good time. Everybody yeah, there's has like a fun. whole application right. process afterwards. It's got a little carnival feeling to it. There's yeah. like some interviews going on. There's surprises. No. <laughs> there's some pyrotechnics too. I got in trouble with the fire department last time on that one, but I'm working on it and get some permits. Oh Lord, people are gonna listen to me like, how did this man get a job? Like, I don't know. They hired me and now I they they're gonna my boss is gonna listen to this. My new principal's gonna listen to me like I have made a terrible Oh mistake. my gosh. Can we rescind our offer in <laughs> yeah. retrospect? Is that is the ink try in the contract? Can we can we wipe that out a little bit, maybe? Call him back. Just someone grab some white out. Yeah. <laughs> Any advice that you would give? Because there are a lot of MSU Denver students who are going to be hitting mm-hmm. student teaching in, in the fall. Um, they are going to be m- many of our NCTE members and, and board is going to be they're going to be hitting the books and hitting their their third or or their third field experience or their their student teaching. What advice would you give them, having been through this process, that you think would be the best best advice you could give them? Well, I think I have one. Okay. I think that you should not get so caught up in the lesson planning and theory that's happening in the classes. Because one of the issues that I had at the start was that I was really good at lesson planning, like got really good grades and all of the unit plans and lesson plans that I turned in. And so I equated that with being a good teacher and there's, it's not, that's not being a good teacher. That lesson planning is good, but in reality, you're not going to be doing those kinds of lesson plans that you need to be able to like plan plan practically, but also be able to not stick to your plan. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like it's okay sometimes to go rogue and to realize like what I had planned today is definitely not going to work. Um, and the kids just really aren't into it. So let's try something different and to have things like in your back pocket. Yes. Um, but also I just, that was another reason why I had such like a cognitive dissonance starting off. And even like, you know, now is that, I was so good at the planning and all of the theory and I thought that that was going to transfer into being a good teacher and it didn't. And so just to not beat yourself up over that, but also don't go into it like thinking, well, I've gotten A's in every education class, so I'm fine. No, see, I had a similar Mm -hmm. experience and it goes back to that being good at school Mm -hmm. thing where I was able to pull out these plans, but then I'd institute them in my first hour and then it's a mess and um 
I guess that's one of the benefits of being in middle school too, is that I taught the same class four times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. So I was able to notice that if something went awry with my first hour, my poor first hour, <laughs> who always got the worst versions of my lessons, I was able to make adjustments for second hour. Yeah. And then again, for fifth and sixth hour. And obviously you're differentiating anyway, because each class has different needs, yeah. but to recognize specific activities or uh, phrasing that just doesn't go over well and making those changes and being okay with having to make those changes mm -hmm. to know that no lesson that you write down on paper is going to be perfect yeah. ever. And it's never going to play out perfectly. Yeah. And some days it's just not going to work because the kids, the atmosphere, whatever can't meet you where yeah. it would need to be to make it work. Or you just didn't plan with the kids in mind. Well, that was kind of what we were talking about at the NCTE event before we, before they it launched, because we were talking about the practical versus the pedagogical. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of pedagogy. There's plenty of methods. There's pl all that stuff is important because I know if Dr. If one of our, you know, Dr. Adams, Dr. Deacon or Dr. Eastman is listening right now, they're probably just clenching their fists going, <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> you know, and I, because I don't want to discount the importance no. of lesson planning, no. but there is a healthy balance in becoming the fo focusing so much on the process and the pedagogy and well, we got to do this, this, and this, and this, and you rely so heavily on it. And the reality of it, and we Tiffany, we talked about this, and you can probably speak on it a little bit. Your field experience, your three field experiences, do not. It's not that they're not intended to prepare you for student teaching, but there is no Like there no. is no, there is no comparison, because you get into that, you get in a field, you do your field experience, you're going once or twice a week, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> you don't, you're not teaching classes. You may, be, you may be teaching one or two lessons during the whole time, unless you're field experience teacher lets you go crazy, which mine did thankfully, but even then it didn't prepare me. And so you get into the classroom of student teaching and all the stuff you've learned has not been an in and out eight hours a day going at it on the grindstone. It's just been kind of sprinkled. Mm -hmm. And so now you actually have to take that method and that pedagogy and all that stuff and you gotta translate it into mm -hmm. eight hours of class. And that's hard. It is, it's insane. Because you don't, again, it's that preparation. Like, you think you're amazing at mm -hmm. lesson planning. I have it down, man. I got I got systems. I got sequences. I got all the things ready to rock and roll. And the first day you step into that classroom, you start to go, and you're like, why isn't it working? Yeah. And the reality of it is, is because there's a difference between pedagogy and the actual practice in your classroom. Because mm -hmm. that pedagogy you learned was not, was it, it was for a specific class or a specific set of students that may or may not exist anymore. And it's not to say that it's not important. Right. Like I think it's very important yeah. base knowledge, but I think it's really hard for us to learn how to transfer yeah. from pedagogy into practice. Well, and like you just said, it's base knowledge. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's good to have that background and to know that if someone came up to you and said, well, why did you conduct your lesson that yeah. way? You're able to cite, well... Kelly Gallagher or Penny Kittle or Christopher Emden or whoever yeah. it is you're talking about, Carol Dweck, mm -hmm. yeah. you can... Uh, recite that they have you yeah. know similar things that they've run before that have worked but yeah. that you're still able to recognize that your students are not their students yeah. mm -hmm. and your demographics are not their demographics yeah. and you are not them and your yeah. teaching style will not align with theirs that yeah. you can use that as a basis but you have to be able to build it and make it your own right. well, it's kind of like building a house like you can build a foundation a foundation is pretty standard across mm -hmm. the board when you build yes. a house you put the cement in it's a foundation but after that house design is completely up to you i would not want to build kelly gallagher's house in, on my plot because again it's not my house like mm -hmm. I'm not going to enjoy Kelly I mean Kelly Gallagher if you're listening and Lord if you are listening please email me and say hey hi Kelly Gallagher hello Kelly Gallagher <laughs> we love you <laughs> <laughs> you're kind of our, our like you know besides Penny Kittle hi Penny it basically goes Jesus Kelly Gallagher and then well no Jesus Penny Kittle Gallagher 
Cristovani and others and others and, and others. others Donlan Miller I mean the whole it's Dr. Anyway, Deacon Dr. De- yeah there's there's a whole it's a I'm a big fan of Daniel Pink oh <laughs> oh Dan, Danny Pink if you're listening oh my goodness draw us a line <laughs> but the point of it is, is is that I can't build I, I'm sure Danny Pink has a nice house Sorry. but Danny Danny Pink's house is not mine like it's not I, I couldn't I, I probably wouldn't appreciate his sense of fashion choices in his house like I'm sure it's a lovely house, but it's not mine. Mm-hmm. And you have to make it yours. Like, you, Tiffany, are a very different teacher than I am. Mm-hmm. Angelina, we are very different teachers, I'm guessing. I haven't actually ever taught with you, but I'm guessing we're probably different. Angelina and I are different from each other as well, you know. Yeah. We're, Even we though all... we have the same exact Qdoba order. We do have the same <laughs> Qdoba order. I just get mine spicy. Yes. It's the only difference. Give me some good spicy curry. Yeah. Ooh, there you go. So again, I mean, that's kind of what we're talking about is, is that you are, you're in ingre- So you've watched the Great British Baking Show, if you're mm-hmm. listening and you've watched that show, it's amazing. But your ingredients in your dish for your classroom are significantly different. And they work in your classroom because kids eat it up. Mm-hmm. Like they love your style. They're used to it. They enjoy it. I walk into your classroom tomorrow and go, hey, it's Mr. DeLay. They're going to be like, that, that you're making me want to vomit, sir. Please, could you leave? You're making me nauseous. I can't handle this. Like, they're not going to, they might even be allergic to me. Who knows? But they're not going to enjoy the dish I prepare. Yeah, we might all have been given, like, lobster tail as our core ingredient, but what we do with that is different. I am a very dry and sarcastic person, and my kids know that, and we have jokes that we play off of based off of my dry, sarcastic humor. Aaron, you are a character, and my kids would not know what to do with that. <laughs> be like, can he leave? Can can he go? But Who I think <laughs> that discussion is really important. And this is another piece of advice for student teachers, yeah. I think, is that you just have to be yourself and just roll with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a very weird person. Um, we can we can vouch for that. Yeah, just but, like, I don't lovably think lovably weird. Yeah, there's like no word to describe my personality. Um, I'm very 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 awkward, socially awkward, and I have just rolled with it and I just kind of let all the awkward things like I laugh at myself and let the kids laugh at me and I think that's really important and that's why like the days that I do really well and I walk away from my lesson going like wow I feel like I did a really good job teaching today are the days that I just kind of just went for it and just let things happen um well, and you you went and, on your what you knew you did what you knew mm-hmm. like you didn't try and copy anybody you didn't try and adapt yeah and I wasn't trying to be like too serious yeah. or like I wasn't trying to be a person that I wasn't or a teacher that I wasn't you have to um, be authentic yeah kids see right through it otherwise. yeah and I think that's why like I think one of the reasons that I've overall been pretty successful as a student teacher I think I've been kind of a mediocre student teacher in many aspects but oh, in terms of right my relationship with, with the kids yeah. yes that is where I think I've excelled and I think a lot of it is because they saw that I was just yeah. a regular person like I was an authentic person and um and I think that was really good for me to do that and not try to like be someone that I wasn't yeah. because that's when you kind of fall apart well, it's a still conversation, like trying to make a house that's not mm-hmm. yours. Like my host teacher is very different from me. Mm-hmm. My host teacher. So are mine. Yeah. Yeah, and you yeah, like. So mine. I tried early on to copy her mm-hmm. and to be her, and it's just like that didn't work. And the kids saw through it, and I was just I didn't feel genuine. I felt like I was faking, and I was just like, you know what? Come hell or high water, I got to be myself. And if the kids don't like me, then that's cool, and I'll just roll with it, and I'll figure out a way to teach. Um, but we eventually got to a point, like, it was it was so hilarious. Like, it was just one day, I was like, okay, that went well. 
like it's working mm-hmm. and my teacher returned me and said yeah it is i was like eh? she's like it took you a while but you finally got in your groove because you had to try 16 different ways of making your curry mm-hmm. and finally you found the right one and it was like okay keep that do that again and maybe change a few things but keep the base keep it and go with it and i was like okay and for the rest of the semester with a five six block that i took over it went i mean there were some days where my lessons just on the on their faces mm-hmm. but always are. the students were just like when i picked it back up they didn't be like oh no we're not doing this we're out we're, we're done peace out you know bye they're like okay cool moving on like we'll get we'll go into the next like you're you're throwing out the curry we're starting over again all right we're, go, we're right there with you like let's make the ingredients let's make it happen and that was the part i think when you're talking about relationships mm-hmm. That's what you know you've, you've done. That because... is, yes. I had a moment. I know I told you guys about this, but yeah. for the sake of the podcast. Absolutely. <clears throat> so my sophomores, um, I have two classes, um, co-taught classes. So it's 50 plus kids of sophomores. And in fourth hour, um, I have these two girls that were very deeply attached to my CT for that class. Mm. Um, and so they were kind of upset when I took over. And I could tell that they were like, no, but we love Mr. G. Yeah. And we don't want him to not be our teacher anymore. Um, and I finally, like, squirreled my way into, like, their good graces. Um, and on Thursday, they were working on a project. And I came over to them and was just seeing how their project was going. And one girl goes, Miss Ferradino, can I get you a Mother's Day present? <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I know... I can't, I'm not old enough to be your mom. I'm like five years older than you. (laughs) Like, I'm not a mom. And she was like, yeah, but you're like, you're like kind of our mom, right? You're kind of our mom. And I kind of thought about it. I was like, I kind of am your mom. And she was like, yeah, you're our mom. And Mr. Tisser, my social studies co-teacher, he's our dad. And I was like, okay, I can see this. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm your mom. And then I realized, (laughs) um, because at first that was just like really funny to me. And then I thought about it and I was like, yeah, but that's kind of how it is for a lot of them. Is that you kind of become their mom, or whatever or just, they need? Yeah, whatever yeah. it is that they need, their crazy aunt or uncle or whatever yeah. like person they need. But I think that's so important to be that person for them and not just be their teacher. Well, I think that's kind of a way to close this out. Then um, I'll talk for a second. Then I'm gonna let you guys just share kind of a little bit about it. But that's the beauty of teaching mm-hmm. is is that you know yeah we teach kids it's important we got to follow our standards we got to teach the core we got to do the things that the district asks us like there's no questions that's what you do mm-hmm. you do you teach we engage we mentor we do all we we have to we got to teach them something and we're, we're taught what we need to, we're told we need to teach and we have the material and the curriculum and all that stuff but the biggest piece of teaching is that relationship and no relationship with one student is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be a student who's like, you're my mom. You will take on that persona for me. Um, and for others, it's like, well, you're kind of the, you know, the uncle or the grandpa or, you know, you're the dad. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, or the older brother. And it's like you as a teacher, you know, you don't go in, you don't go in being like, okay, who am I going to be? You just allow it to organically happen. You mm-hmm. have to, because again, it's genuine. You have to engage those students and figure out what they need at, at, at that level because they're all going to need something from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might need a lot from you and they might need a little from you. Every student's going to be different. Um, and I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest things from student teaching is, is that figure out what your students need from you and what they want from you 
because they're they're going to need something. And more than likely, given the fact that you've been through four to five years of education through various pieces of the college process, you've learned something that they can they can use. You've learned something that they're going to be able to say, hey, you know what I found? Here's an example for you. So in my field experience, I wish I could have done my student teaching there, but in my field experience, I had a young lady, um, and she liked manga. She loved manga. She had all the time she was reading it. Went to the NCTE conference, and I'm walking. And there's manga for Huckleberry Finn. There's manga for every single, like, Sense and Sensibility. All of this amazing manga for this girl. And I'm just like, yes, yes. So I'm taking pictures, and I get back to her, and I say, hey, would you be interested in this? And her eyes got big. And she's like, really? I'm like, yeah, no, I found these things. I can, I can get you a list. She's like, yeah, give me that list, man. Give me that list. And it was like, that was what she needed from me. She had a love of manga and the and the and the and the drawing and the stories, and she was like, "Yeah, no, give me the list. I want to go on Amazon and look for it," because that. And so that was something that I had in my toolbox. I was like, "I'll give you your manga list." You know, I've had other students who have been like, "I have cool books that you might want to be interested in reading." Um, I have bookshelves of you know graphic novels that I've been like, "Hey, you want to read this? Will this help you read?" So we each have something that we can provide mm -hmm. to our students. Um, I think that's one of the things is that what do your students need from you, and how do you provide it? Mm -hmm. um so what do you i guess that's i'm gonna that's the last part of this i'm gonna turn it back over to you what do you guys were yeah what if anything on that or anything else you want to share about student teaching on that subject or any other subject no i'm i'm glad that you brought the relationship thing up because that was what i was going to mention when we were talking about advice for student teachers because i think relationships within the school both with staff and students are Absolutely what's going to get you through this, not only in student teaching, but in the career as well. Yeah. Um, being able to have staff members that you can talk to during lunch and yeah. that you can go out for drinks with on Friday or that you can go cry to if something goes horribly wrong because yeah. sometimes you just need a good cry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And to have those staff that you can turn to, mm -hmm. but then also to be able to have those personal relationships with students too is heartwarming and i shared that story or, or that story earlier about that student yeah. that cried to me and um you can tell once you formed those relationships mm -hmm. with the students and it makes a huge difference yeah. um when i first got into my experience um these kids had seen me in the fall too for a field mm -hmm. placement and then i went back for my student teaching so when i started taking over full time they already knew me a little bit yeah. um and for a while, they kept calling me um, the new Miss Riefel. Okay. And at the time, I was like, yeah, sure, cool. She's cool. But then as time went by, you could see this this slow shift where it wasn't Miss Riefel was their teacher anymore. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, Miss Campbell's my language arts teacher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was really cool to see that. And then to know that I was forming these personal relationships with them, too. And I came back from a short break where I had to take some time off for finals. Um, and I came back and I had one of my students come up to me second hour and she gets really close and looks me dead in the eye and she goes, you can never leave us again. <laughs> she was so upset that I had been gone. Yeah. And all through that first day that I came back, the students kept coming up to me and they were like, miss you're back, miss you're here, we miss you, we're so excited to see you. And it was just so sweet yeah. to know that they genuinely 
miss you when you're gone. Yeah. And that they do, sometimes I hear them talking in the hallway and they're just like, oh yeah, Miss Campbell's my favorite teacher. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I'm like, oh, well, all of your other teachers are really cool too and they're good friends of mine. But yeah. on the other hand, it's like, I'm glad that we can have that relationship where you feel yeah. comfortable sharing things with me and where you know that I'm here to support you and I've got mm-hmm. your back and we're going to get through this together. And having those relationships is just crucial. Yeah. I think that... <clears throat> If your kids like you or if your kids love you and respect you, that regardless of what pedagogy you're using, regardless of what practice you're putting into place, like you're going to be a good teacher for them. Yeah. Because like a lot of teaching, I think, is just if the kids love you and want to listen to you, then they're going to listen to you regardless of what kinds of teaching things you're doing and yeah. putting into practice. Um, and if you mess up or if you try something new, mm-hmm. they're willing to roll with it. Yeah. Because they do care about mm-hmm. you and they want you to be successful as much as you want them to be successful. Yeah. It's a mutually beneficial experience. Um, and I feel like you can do just about mm-hmm. anything and they're just like, okay, this is what we're doing now. We'll give it a shot. Yeah. Because they care. Yeah. Yeah, we... Um, with humanities, we're starting, we just finished the things they carried. And because it's English and history co-taught, it's a little bit of both. So we're starting this final project and it was a little messy at first and things weren't going as we had thought they were going to. And all 50 of those kids just kind of rolled with it. And Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, so this didn't go the way that I thought it was going to. So here's what we're going to do instead. Like, rather than what I told you to do, like, let's try this instead. See if this works better. And it did. And then, you know, things went smoother after that. But I think if kids, like, respect you already and like you, then they're going to roll with that. Um, With you kind of changing your teaching practice on the spot or just changing things on the spot. Yeah. I'm going to close this out with a quote actually from the Colorado Language Arts Association uh, conference from 2016 because what you, what you just said is absolutely, I can't remember who said it, but I have it on my Twitter feed um, <clears throat> from October 15th, 2016. The quote is, love your students when they love you back and you're not easy to love, those students will work hard for you. Mm-hmm. If you find a way to establish that like, like equal respect and you meet them in the middle. Again, it's mm-hmm. relationships in the classroom is 50-50. It's, it's half them, half you. If you can get them there, and if you can make it last, if you can continue to be genuine and transparent and honest and in, be the person that they need you to be, they're going to do amazing things mm-hmm. for you. I mean, the, the amount, like, I'm not suggesting that this happened in my 5-6 block, but I kind of feel like it sort of, mm-hmm. a small percentage of it did. Like, yeah. I got some of it. Because I got some amazing memoirs. Mm-hmm. Like, I got some groundbreaking, mind-blowing, emotional discussions about events in kids' lives that was just like, I can't believe I'm actually reading this. Like, I can't believe that somebody actually wrote this for me and mm-hmm. shared this with me and had the courage and the willingness and the openness to do that. <clears throat> openness to do that. So, um but I mean, think about your own education. Sorry, this is the last thing I'll say about this. Think about your own education in high school. Yeah. The teachers that you remember yeah. aren't necessarily like they weren't like really good teachers because they had good teaching practices. Yeah. They were really good teachers and you learned from them because you absolutely loved them and you knew yes. that they loved you back. Right. And if I think about the people who made me want to be a teacher, Mr. Carlstrom at Plaquin in high school, like yeah. made me want to be a teacher. I learned a lot about English from him, but I learned just so much about life from him. Mm-hmm. Um and that was what was important to me and the reason that I 
learned from him was because of how much I loved him. Yeah. Um, and I think all teachers yeah. have those teachers. Mm-hmm. Mine was Miss Claybeck at Silver Hills yeah. High School and then Miss Steinbach at North Glen High School. Mm-hmm. Silver, Silver Hills Middle School and then North Glen High School. Like, yeah. There's a teacher somewhere along the line for every teacher mm-hmm. who yeah. helped them realize at Newton just Middle what they School, could do. At Newton Middle School, where I'm student teaching right now and I've got two days left, Miss Petrelli, who was there when I was, she was my teacher in seventh grade at Newton Middle School, was my science teacher. She is right next door to me in my student teaching. Mm-hmm. Same, like, I, the, when I walked in, I was like, I heard her voice. I was like, that's Petrelli. She was Bond at the time. But I like her, like, it's just like when you hear that, like, I, like she helped me survive middle school, like mm-hmm. through her encouragements. And again, I can't even remember like specific because again, it's been so long, but I remember that she was one of the main reasons why I made it through middle school, why I didn't go down a darker path with life. Like her, Mr. Willauer, who is now in South America doing crazy stuff. Uh, Mr. Dixon, who is actually now at Valor Middle School, or sorry, Valor High School. You know, all these teachers that I remember because they cared, mm-hmm. because they said, you know what, you matter to me and I don't care what happens but i'm gonna keep like coming back to you and letting you know that you matter that i care and you may not listen to anything i say you may forget half the lessons i teach you but you you matter and you know there's hollywood movies that oversense oversaturate the idea Mm -hmm. but i think it's but the at the core it's the truth and that makes me think of i think it's a maya angelou quote that's like people won't remember what you say to them. People won't remember what you do to them. People yeah. will remember how you make them feel. Yeah. I think that's how it is with teachers. Yeah. I can mm-hmm. I can tell you how it was like to be in Mr. Jolly's classroom. Mm-hmm. I can tell you what it was like to be in Mr. Weller's yeah. classroom. I can tell you what it was like to be, you know, in Newton Middle School and the teachers who cared. Like, mm-hmm. I can remember why they stick out. Mm-hmm. I can remember teachers in elementary school and why they stuck, they stuck out of me. I can remember Kurt Stedron, Littleton High School. He's actually, I think, retiring this year. You know, I remember... The, the fact that he cared about my writing mm-hmm. and he encouraged me and he cared enough to be like and he was sarcastic and but he was he cared mm-hmm. you know there are teachers who care and those are the ones you're like I want to be just you. an inch like <laughs> yeah. I want to be you I want to be just a piece of you mm-hmm. like if I can just be like something close to resembling you mm-hmm. I want to be alright I had a middle school teacher that is now has in the past year become like one of my mentors. Um, she was my seventh and eighth grade middle school teacher, Jane Mooney. I friended her on Facebook like a couple of years ago and then we started talking about a year ago and she's retired now and like lives in Illinois. I haven't seen her since I was in eighth grade. Yeah. Um, but she's become one of my mentors and she's that person for me also where I'm like, if I can just be for my students who you were for me and make mm-hmm. such a lasting impact on them, then like I feel like I will succeed in yeah. life. Miss Clayback and I work mm-hmm. together now because I'm at yeah. that same middle school and she's still teaching there and I remember middle school was rough for me, mm-hmm. not just in school, but I had a lot of outside things going on at that time that I yeah. didn't talk to anyone about, but I knew that when I was in Miss Clayback's classroom that I was going to be okay mm-hmm. and that she cared yeah. and that even if I wasn't talking about anything of substance, she was there to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of relationship with a teacher is irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's kind of the the way to close it out is is that, you know, we we don't go into it because of the money. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, getting a cost, getting a paycheck is good, but you go into teaching because you know that you will be able to somehow, in a big or small way. We don't go in going, I'm going to be the greatest teacher, I'm going to impact all my students. You go in knowing that there's going to be days where you're just like, I I don't want to do this anymore. I quit. I have lost my will to teach. There's other days where you're just like, yay, but there's those moments where you're like. I have 
helped this person be a better human. Mm -hmm. Yes. You haven't like told them how to live. You haven't, but you've found a way to reach them and say, you can do so much better and you can be so much. That's what you can like in that moment. Those are the moments you're like, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. That'll, that'll power me through a whole nother year of teaching where, you know, things are going wrong and I'm having a rough time because no job is perfect. But like, it's those moments where you're like, okay, I have done something bigger for the world in someone's life. And I like, they will go, you know, maybe in 10 years, they'll come back and visit me and they'll be like, Hey, I remember that day you said this thing. And they're like, I don't even remember what I was saying it to you, but they're like, yeah, but you said it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm here. Yeah. Like be the person that you needed when you were younger. Mm-hmm. That's the advice from grandma Ferradino. And I think that's how we're going to close it out. Uh, my name is Mr. Delay. I'm Miss Campbell. I'm Grandma Faradino. And this has been the podcast, A Delayed Teacher. If you have any ideas, if something struck you from this 66-minute long conversation, <laughs> feel free to shoot us back. I'm on Twitter, A Delayed Teacher. Um, I'll, list an email, I'll list an email address here in the outro in a moment. But um, it's been an absolute privilege to share, this, to share the table with these two ladies. Um, I can tell you that we are excited to see where we end up. I am going to be in Fort Morgan. Angelina is going to a charter school. I'm fairly certain T- Tiffany's going to have a job in a matter of days. But who knows? We'll see what happens. Here's to hope and fingers crossed. Yes. Fingers, fingers and toes and eyes are crossed. Um, but we will say this is, is that to you out there who are listening, if you are a teacher, if you're a future student teacher, if you're just getting started in your college career and you want to be a teacher, my encouragement to you is do it. Do not be afraid of it. Do not walk away from it. If you have a calling to be a teacher and to step in front of a classroom, do not let anyone tell you that you can't because the absolute greatest joy is to be able to stand on a stage in a couple of days and say, we did it. And oh no. Teachers. Yeah. We're going to be amazing. <laughs> oh no. You made grandma cry. We have done amazing things as a group and it is an absolute oh. honor and privilege to be able to stand on that stage with those folks. So um, in, a couple of, in a couple of days, we're going to do it. And I would encourage all of you to, to join in that, in that great journey. So, okay. Until next time, whenever that ends up being on this podcast. I'm crying. Goodbye. (laughs) Good night and Godspeed and safe travels. It's not a good day unless I cry. (laughs) We'll see you in in the classroom. Good night, everybody. (laughs) The day is not complete until until I start crying about something. Well, we can go to bed now. It's good. Close it up. We're good. We're done. You've been listening to a delayed teacher podcast with Mr. DeLay as your host and his guests. If you're interested in following Mr. DeLay on his teaching adventures as he journeys through student teaching and beyond, you can find him on Twitter at a delayed teacher. Additionally, he also blogs and has blogged about his experience going through the School of Education to his current place. You can find that at adelayedteacher.com. Additionally, you can find him on Instagram. His username is Mr. DeLay. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the classroom.